to everyone and welcome to this special bonus episode of Roots of Faith. Uh, before we get started, uh, go ahead, like this video, share this video, get the word out, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, follow Roots of Faith on Facebook, all are in the description. Thanks. Uh, today, I wanted to talk about Mardi Gras, Ash Wednesday, Lent. Uh, the main title of this is Feast of Fasting. I want to discuss, you know, what, how should we look at Mardi Gras slash Fat Tuesday slash Shrove Tuesday to Ash Wednesday to the entire Lenten season? How do we move from a season of celebration to a season of interfocus uh, is this something as Christians that should be a part of our daily or yearly cycle of how we take time and how we interact with people how we interact in our congregations uh, as you can see I'm kind of just up in this crazy mask right here but um and this is going to come in as I discuss what Mardi Gras is, how we have some of these celebrations. Uh, so, without further ado, I hope everyone's having a great day. So, we'll open up with a question right here. So, question, what do you think of when you think of Mardi Gras? Now, for many of us, we probably have ideas of colorful costumes. Uh, New Orleans is probably rushing through our heads with crazy parade floats, uh, people getting drunk. Uh, beads are probably a major thing that we're thinking about because uh, that's become a very stereotypical thing within Mardi Gras. So what do you think of? Now, out of these colorful costumes, spectacular parades, elegant, pageants and masquerade balls are which all come to mind people dancing in the streets of New Orleans going wild all part of this joyous celebration the thing is much is much of the things that are known about this holiday is alcoholism gluttony and sin sexual promiscuity uh, it promotes uh, those who observe it to let go of their inhibitions and enjoy their fleshly desires. So is it something that Christians should celebrate? Well, let's get into the history. First, Mardi is the French word for Tuesday, and Gras means fat. In France, the day before Ash Wednesday came to be known as Mardi Gras, or translated as Fat Tuesday. Traditionally, in the days leading up to Lent, merrymakers would binge on the rich, fatty foods, meat, eggs, milk, lard, and cheese that remained in their homes in anticipation for several weeks of eating only fish and different types of fasting. In fact, the word carnival, which is used in many of the Latin cultures, uh, and it's also part of of the names for a pre-Latin festi pre festivity derives its meaning from a medieval Latin word known as carnel leverium, 
which means to take away or remove me, from the Latin carnem, from me. This season officially begins on Epiphany and goes through to the last Tuesday before Lent, which we know in different cultures as Mardi Gras in the French or Fat Tuesday being translated and also gets a name known as Shrove Tuesday and we'll get into that later. So, what about Mardi Gras? Today, it's associated with gluttony, sexual debauchery, but was that always so? A popular theory holds that Mardi Gras' origins lie in ancient pagan celebrations of the spring and fertility rituals such as Saturnalia and Lupercalia. Some experts contend, however, that Mardi Gras' type festivities popped up solely as a result of the Catholic Church's discouragement of sex and meat during Lent. So, uh, here's what History Channel, History.com, and other sources have to say about Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras is a Christian holiday and popular cultural phenomenon that dates back thousands of years to pagan spring and fertility rites. Also known as Carnival or Carnaval, it's celebrated in many countries around the world, mainly those with large Roman Catholic populations, on the day before the religious season of Lent begins. Brazil, Venice, and New Orleans play host to some of the holiday's most famous public festivities, drawing thousands of tourists and revelers every year. On the contrary, though, others do see this celebration to be very unique to Christianity, as it is a way to purge out distractions and help prepare the heart to encounter God. Mardi Gras is strongly associated with wild bacchanali debauchery, but the original intent of the holiday and how it's kept by the faithful is much different. So, Fat Tuesday, as it is known in English, is a long-standing tradition of the Catholic Church and it marks the last of the ordinary times be time before the start of Lent, a time fasting and repentance. While parties in Europe, South America, and the United States have gained the most attention in popular culture, the fact is it's not the whole heart of what this is. It's a seriously misrepresentation of that which outright eclipses the intent of the holiday. So here's where I get to insert my fun rant on the whole all Christian holidays come from pagan origins. And I apologize if you've heard me go on this rant a thousand times, but every time I encounter something like this, I feel like we need to address it. So the fact is, when starting looking at this, right in places where people will go to to find out history, you know, history.com, history channel, the, all those great big networks that are supposed to be putting out fact and fiction, they, they're like, oh, well, you know, this probably came out of Saturnalia and Lupercalia and, you know, other pagan ritual rites, you know, looking at worship of Zeus and other pagan gods, and it's like, can you just make up your mind? 
You say the same thing about Christmas. You say, say the same thing about Valentine's Day prior to this celebration, which we all just had St. Valentine's Day this past Sunday. Uh, so you're just saying anything comes from this because this is what existed prior. So therefore, they were just Christianizing these celebrations. Uh, well, possibilities of putting strict rules and regulations in response to or saying because this is recognized we're going to do something Christian in the face of it are highly probable. Uh, the fact is that you can't just sit there and keep saying oh yeah this holiday is the basis of this this and this because you know we have to put everything in a box that you know Christians were just pulling things out to try and make their celebrations valid. And they were just trying to, you know, do equip things because they have no core. And to, so this is the atheist attempt to go forth and try and do what they can to discredit Christianity. So what about, the sad thing is, on the opposite side... We've seen it too much within fundamental Christianity, within uh, the Messianic Hebraic segments of Christianity as well, where they've latched on to this idea and they said, because this is not part of our traditional identity, or because we hold to the same festivals that God has given us, which I wholeheartedly agree, and yes, we will be discussing Purim here in the next two weeks, which just happens to fall on my anniversary this year, which is going to be real fun. Marv and I have great plans to do, you know, in our quiet little apartment because 2021, COVID, yada, yada, we're all, everyone here knows the struggle. But the fact is, we have to actually get down, do some research, quit trying to quote every little thing we want to, to try and make our point the main focus. So, rant over, comment, I'll, I'll discuss it with you if you have any further questions. So, now I want to get into where did these customs come from. Well, as Christianity spread throughout Europe during the first millennium, different cultures celebrated the last day before Lent in their own ways adapting the practices to suit their cultures. Again, because we Christianity is so broad and so vast, it is going to include uh, different co area cultures of different ways to celebrate God. Again, this is something biblical uh, because God did not say every little thing that you do, you have to do it in this exact manner. In fact, even when he gave out the Torah, he and when it was going, the word of God was going to spread, he left vague portions so that people would be able to, in the creation that he created them, glorify them in unique ways. And I think that's important. I think that's something that Christianity has lost a big sight of. So, things such as in France, which is, you know, the main influence here in our country, because in the South, that was founded by French colonies. 
the holiday became particularly popular as people feasted on foods that would be given up during the 40 days of Lent. Meat, eggs, milk were finished off in one day, giving the holiday its French title Mardi Gras, which means Fat Tuesday. Because remember, we're dealing with a time before freezers and refrigeration, a time when the things like meat and milk and eggs and these such things are going to spoil as you go out into the next 46 days of not eating anything as you do the weeks in between of fasting preparing your heart giving something up so that you can focus on God so just like traditionally within Hebraic culture where you're eating and baking off all the flour and anything that you have yeast in to purge it out of your house before you clean everything out before you're focusing on those seven days of not eating anything with yeast the same idea applies here now what about the custom of wearing masks well, that came 17th century France and about 13th century uh, Italy in a way to try and break down uh, social classes the way in order to say hey you know what we no longer identify ourselves as you know the rich upper class we will be one with the lower class and the lower class can't be discriminated against and saying oh yeah because we are not part of high society we cannot go forth and uh, be a part of these grand celebrations this was a way to be able to intermingle without having any stigma breaking each other down. So one of the big things I want to address is New Orleans Mardi Gras because that's going to be the one that mostly influences us here as Americans. Now, the first Mardi Gras took place on March 3rd, 1699, when French explorer Pierre Le Monet de Le Breville and Sierra de Bonneville uh, landed near present-day New Orleans, Louisiana. They held a small celebration and dubbed their landing point spot Point du Mardi Gras. In the decades that followed, New Orleans and other French settlements began marking the holiday with street parties, masked balls, and lavish dinners. And then when the Spanish took control over New Orleans, however, they abolished these rowdy rituals and the bans remained until Louisiana became a U.S. state in 1812. On Mardi Gras in 1827, a group of students donned colorful costumes and danced through the streets of New Orleans, emulating reverie they'd observed while visiting Paris. Ten years later, the first recorded New Orleans Mardi Gras parade took place, a tradition that continues to this day, except for the last two years, because COVID. Now, in 1857, the supposed secret society of New Orleans businessmen called the Mystic Crew of Commerce organized a torchlit Mardi Gras procession with marching bands and rolling floats, settling the tone for future public celebrations in the city. Since then, the crew's have remained the fixture of the carnival scene 
throughout Louisiana. Other lasting customs include throwing beads and other trinkets, wearing masks, and decorating floats, and eating king's cake. Louisiana is the only state in the U.S. in which Mardi Gras is a legal holiday. However, elaborate carnival festivities draw crowds in other parts of the United States during Mardi Gras season as well, including Alabama and Mississippi, with each region holding its own e excuse me, events and traditions. Now, across the globe, pre-Lenten festivals continue to take place in many countries with significant Roman Catholic populations. Brazil's week-long carnival, <clears throat> again, apologize for my throat. <clears throat> so Brazil's week-long carnival festivities feature a vibrant uh, European, African, and Native traditions in which there's huge festivities, floats, everyone is out celebrating huge, crazy time. And Canada, Quebec City hosts the giant Quebec Winter Carnival. In Italy, tourists flock to Venice's Carnival, which dates back to the 13th century and is famous for its masquerades balls. Known as Carnival or Fashnach or Fashion. Uh, the German celebration includes parades, costumes, balls, and the tradition that apparently empowers women to go around cutting off men's ties. I don't know. <laughs> apparently it's a very fun thing to do. For Denmark, they actually have Festivalen, in which children dress up and gather candy in a similar manner to Halloween. <laughs> Still, the original intent of Mardi Gras has always been to indulge within the context of morality and reason, the last day before the start of the Lenten season. Here it is appropriate to mention that while Lent is a season of self-sacrifice and repentance, it's not meant to be a period of self-punishment or extreme hardship. So why is Lent important and how does it correlate with Mardi Gras? So, as mentioned here in the beginning, Mardi Gras slash Fat Tuesday is also called Shrove Tuesday. Now, Shrove Tuesday is the day before Ash Wednesday observed in many Christian countries through participating in confession and absolution, the ritual of burning the previous year's Holy Week palms, finalizing one's Lenten sacrifices, as well as eating pancakes and other sweet things for fun enjoyment as well as to purge the house of condiments and everything that you know you're not going to touch for the next few weeks now the word shrove is derived from shrive which refers to confession of sins as a preparation for lent a usual practice in europe in the middle ages although the day is sometimes still used for self-examination introspective shows Tuesday eventually acquired the characters of carnival and or the festivities in many places and often is celebrated with parades so the final day of revelry and merrymaking before getting serious is that a biblical idea or should we you know have just be like well yeah of course you know we need to 
take time to self-examine ourselves, to prepare our hearts to encounter God. But uh, is there room for merrymaking and partying? Of course, uh, we have scripture that says everything there is a season. Time for merrymaking, time for being serious, a time to party, a time to weep. So, should we enjoy celebrations? Of course, as Christians, we have the great hope. In fact, the next 40 days of preparation of within our hearts and preparing for Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, First Fruits, whichever term you prefer to use for that day, uh, is going to be the biggest part because it is the most exciting thing. So we're enjoying celebration with each other and getting rid of other food and everything that we're not going to touch. And then, you know what? We also have this time to take self-reflection. So enjoy pancakes. Uh, as in Ireland, it is called Pancake Tuesday. So... Shrove Tuesday, which is observed by Anglicans, Lutherans, Methodists, Roman Catholics, and other Christians, uh, take this time to make special point of self-examination of considering what wrongs they need to repent from and what amendments to their life and areas of spiritual growth they need special need to ask for, for God's help in dealing with. Now, the scriptural background for this of course, is the main go-to 40 days of the wilderness in which Jesus entered in in Matthew 4. So over the following 40 days, distractions are going to be removed from many people's lives. I'm taking this year to do also do this. Many people take the time to say, okay, well, over this course, I'm going to do this, and in its and I'm going to do this in the place of doing this. So I'm giving something up in order to, to relieve myself of distractions. And in essence, I'm going to replace that with something that is going to build spiritual disciplines within my life. We also have the 40 days of penance before judgment from Jonah chapter 4 as well. So what should we do with this today? Well, today, go out, have fun. Uh, if you can get together with friends, go ahead, do that. Rejoice for what the Lord has given to us today. And even more importantly, prepare to encounter God more than ever. Uh, consider what distractions do you find that pull your attention away from your relationship with God and put them off or to the side for the next six weeks. Personally, over the next few weeks, I will be uh, cutting severely down on uh, distracting myself with music and podcasts while I'm working on the house and just trying to keep a clear mind focused on God. Uh, I will be giving up the traditional eating of meat as my wife has been trying to get back to eating more vegan. And so for the next six weeks, we are going to completely cut all that out and use this time to kind of examine how our health will increase better due to cutting out meat and dairy products. 
Uh, I'm also going to be part of a couple of study groups. Uh, my wife and I have a devotional we're going to be doing together. Uh, we also have individual books that we're going to be following, uh, prayer series that we're going to be joining people online. And right until the week after Easter, I will be leading a Bible study on the Bible app with friends from churches and the internet that we're going to be studying what the early church fathers had to say on Lent and the ideas of Ish of Easter and everything. So maybe you have some ideas. I'd love to hear them. Drop them in the comments below. Let us know uh, how we can pray for you over this Lenten season. Also, I'm going to be jumping off of Facebook. I'll be on Sundays still for live podcasts, but other than that, everything I'm going to be pretty much it's going right off my phone. I'm not going to be sitting there scrolling through. I'm going to be more attentive with my time. So maybe these are ideas that will help you grow close to God as we prepare to encounter his resurrection day here in just six short weeks. So as I close, I just pray that Yahweh may bless you and keep you. May Yahweh let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he show you his face and bring you peace. Shalom and blessings to you all.